I'm your host, Dave Gerber. Welcome to Beyond Corona. Paulo Coelho said, You have to take risks. We will only understand the miracle of life fully when we allow the unexpected to happen. Today we're talking about self-personal and professional risks. Let's start off with the myth of Icarus, coronavirus, and our personal and professional risk tolerance levels. If you had wings made of wax and feathers, how close to the sun would you get? That's the essential question and analogy takeaway from the myth of Icarus. How high would he be willing to fly in order to meet his goals, and what risks would he face to do it? Namely, the sun melting his wax wings and him drowning in the ocean. Aside from the fact that you probably wouldn't use wings made of wax and feathers, we all do have risk tolerance. Business partners, friends, family, couples, teammates, organizations, everyone has a risk tolerance. Think about marriages where partners have very different responses when the needle on the risk gauge goes up. These usually don't work out well or have obstacles with unforeseen risk or they perfectly balance each other out. Who knows? That said... People who care about one another in close relationships, even friendships, often have similar values and have similar risk tolerance levels. While often abstract and invisible, evidence of someone's risk tolerance shows up when they, you know, when decisions need to be made and options selected on how to move forward with varying degrees of threat. So what are the Icarus questions we face whose answers directly reflect how much risk we're willing to tolerate? Would you go to the grocery store less if you knew how far forward and backward one cough or sneeze sent particle bullets flying through the air? Would you fly less if you knew a sneeze before this went up five rows and back three rows? Remember, in the grocery store, those micro bubbles also fly over into the next aisles. Would you go on a walk and pass near others at six feet, nine feet, 12 feet, maybe two feet? Depends on your risk tolerance. The calculations you make for yourself, often in an instant, that determine how willing you are to flirt with negative consequences. Your risk tolerance are the calculations you make for yourself, often in an instant, that determine how willing you are to flirt with, you know, the bad stuff, negative consequences. Would you sit out back and talk to someone with your friends if you were six feet away? Would you train martial arts or fitness together in a, if you had less than 10 people and you weren't touching one another? Would you keep your front door locked and when you, you know, when you go to sleep or just the front door? Anyone's answers to these questions raises the issue of risk tolerance. Like, would you go skydiving? I don't know. Not me. I'm not jumping out of a perfectly good airplane, but some people, their risk tolerance is higher. Look at this concept as a distinct subject that not only asks us to think about our own risk tolerance levels, but sort of that of the people that we're isolating with or those on our teams, or our organizations as well. Either way, how close will you get to the delivery person? Will you wipe all the bags down before the contents are taken out of them? Uh, Will you keep everything outside the house? Will you wipe off each individual delivery box, the bags, or even the vegetables? Will your organization change strategies? Will your team overcome the risks of failures? Will you overcome the risk of not getting better as a person, professional and human? Rumi said, out beyond, out beyond ideas of wrongdoing and rightdoing, there is a field, 
I'll meet you there. People have their own reasons, and like them, we all rationalize our thinking and decision-making for the good of ourselves to make sense of the world for ourselves. There are often no simple answers, and we find it far easier to judge the behaviors than better understand the intentions behind why some people do what they do and take the perceived risks that they take. Like I said, it's hard for me to understand why people want to, for fun, jump out of an airplane. I don't understand that. But maybe I take other risks, like driving, that other people would say, that's really risky. I know maybe they're not comparable, but we all have examples we can find. This can be true under all circumstances as a part of how we make sense of the world, and it can bring heightened energy under crisis. For example, a virus. In a country of 350 million people and a self-centered and material-based culture, it's going to be hard to get everyone on the same page about risks. While there may be some choices that go without saying, like staying at home for the month of April and half a month March so far, right? If you live in these states where this is the case, you know it to be true. We know that pockets of people who think similarly are going to do different things than others. Think of all the internal battles people are facing, from very large to the basics. I mean, here are just a few examples. Like, some people have to think about, do they go to work or do they starve? Do they go to work and, or lose their house and their kids and become homeless? People are thinking about keeping their family business open or shutting down forever. Holding out in the stock market or selling and taking huge losses. Wearing a mask or not wearing a mask. Walking six feet away from others or more. Or not. Going to the grocery store or getting your groceries delivered. Buy the house, have the wedding, do the surgery that you had planned for, or not. These are examples of things that could have risk and your tolerance to how willing you are to flirt with the negative consequences. Might you have an elective surgery in a week uh, because you are not worried about it? Well, that's going to be different for you than other people. Other things to think about with risk. People are trying to decide whether to separate from older relatives in some way or not. Do they go to the doctor for something that starts to bother you now or not? Do you retire or have the ability to retire anymore or not? Do you volunteer or is that a risk to, to yourself and your family? Are you an essential worker and you risk sort of going to work and getting the virus and bringing it home to family? Thinking about you know decisions people are making about whether they keep their job you know that may have inadequate safety equipment or quit and maybe not be able to find another. People are thinking about risk. Do I wipe down the groceries? Do I bring the grocery bags in? Do I wash my clothes after I've been in public? I mean, this is all very real for people, and it's all different based upon their risk tolerance. So like the Rumi quote that I read, you know, and above, the right answer, in quotes, right answer, and the truth, in quote, usually lies somewhere in between the polar choices we often use to create a more rigid paradigm. Openness and consideration is also a part of compassion. Now, I'm not suggesting people are let off the hook for boneheaded behaviors like partying on the beach or a spring break. That was ridiculous. I'm saying that many situations are not that simple for people you know, that are living in it and living through it, as opposed to this larger fishbowl where we're on the outside and able to look at it and look in and make our own judgment. The number of people and the number of choices that people are making every day about their lives, 
their risk and their personal safety, along with the decisions about and around the ones they love, are enormous. It's easy to be empathetic, I think easier to be empathetic, when we slow down to consider the needs and struggles others are going to go through, and it provides insight into their mindset, even when they don't share, and even if we don't agree with them. So why, why do I think this is important for us to talk about? That you do what you need to be do to be safe, to keep a balanced state of mind? You don't have to worry as much if you do the behaviors that are in line with your risk tolerance. If you ain't worried about the virus, you're, you're likely to avoid wiping down stuff as much as the person who might be considered at risk or someone who worries about catching this killer cold. That's up to you. And consider that, but also consider how risk tolerance fits into your decision-making and that of your teams and your organizations and the people that you're connected to. Consider the risks if you blow it off and consider the risks if you're not careful around people who you care about, work with, work for, and even work to support. So now that's a lot to digest. What do we do about risk? I think it's important to know the level of risk we're willing to take. And if you step back and do sort of an inventory for yourself, think about risk and your level of risk tolerance related to your family, your home, things like your car insurance, speeding, unprotected sex, running out of toilet paper and groceries, going to the gas station or the store or the bank. You know, what about your levels of cleanliness inside and outside the home? This is now about risk. Do you wear gloves? And be sure you know how to wear the gloves. Don't be touching your cell phone and your keys and your hands and your face and all of this stuff. Flying. People are thinking about risk related to uh, that in their lives before the virus came. How about flying in those homemade planes with those parachutes and the fans for propellers? Propellers? Not me. No. All kinds of things. All things are going to come up in your life that beg you to ask the question about your risk tolerance. It's just something that we don't usually talk about or say or think about. Or they come up as another context or in a different language, which often just sugarcoats it, right? We've got, we've got to get better at saying the words that scare us, like risk and conflict and even meditation, which sounds funny, but it seems like people don't like that word either. It's too big, too hard, not enough time. Anyway, back to risk. So we start by determining our general level of risk tolerance. If you wanted to think about it in terms of a tool, you could try this. I would say use one to four. I always say that if you can name it, you can change it. In this case, if you can name it, at least you can talk about it and you can get more clarity for yourself and with the people that are around you. Risk tolerance and chancing your spouse's cooking. Just kidding. Maybe that's your own cooking that's uh, risky. I don't know. Who knows? I do this instead of ranking 1 to 10 because the larger you go, the less it seems to mean. It's, and you feel it. It sort of becomes very general at that point. It's like, what do we do with that? <clears throat> that combined with you know the even number forces us to choose. We can't hover in the middle. I once heard someone say, and I like this, that you can't complain about your crotch hurting when you're sitting on the fence. So you got to, you know, get over the fence. There is no middle number. So I say choose one to four. That's how we create rubrics, you know, as educators for kids and adults. Or you could use a high, medium, or low. I know some of you are thinking just use high, medium, or low. That's fine. It doesn't matter for now. It matters when you have 
the conversation with your significant other, business partner, boss, or whomever. When, where, how, that's up to you. You can do this in a general or, you know, a general way or be specific when certain things come up. If it's someone living in your dwelling right now with this virus lockdown, then risk takes on a little bit of a different meaning. Much of it has to do with thinking about our physical environment. And that said, while in isolation, you might think about the risks involved, you know, with other things in your life while you're having time to reflect. Things like quitting your job, ending a relationship, starting a new company. As I mentioned before, buying a home or hiring an employee. We also understand that by addressing risk, we're setting ourselves up to plan and take action, which is great. Otherwise, we just have you know analysis paralysis, and usually the repercussions of that in any personal or professional setting end up being, well, how do we say? We say in the business, not so good. Uh, ensure you have backup plans. You got to think in doubles and multiples. As the military would say, redundancy. You buy two so that if one breaks, you have parts. For example, whether it's a tank, unfortunately civilians can't own those, or anything with parts or toilet paper, although it seems we're buying way more than two. If you have the space to find products you buy on sale, my father used to say, it ain't sexy, but you'll never get that type of return on your money out of the stock market. Buy them if you'll use them. The money you save with this type of mentality frees up a little bit of funds to support your risk planning and other things that could go wrong. You know, contingencies. Remember that guy Murphy? Always showing up when things are always in the crapper. Other things about addressing risk, mitigating risk, reducing risk. Go over the safety plans for your house with your kids. Now's a great time to go back over and talk about fire and what to do in case the fire happens, how to get out, where to meet, who gets the pets if possible, usually mom or dad, so kids aren't dealing with that responsibility. We get them out. Remember grease fires, by the way. Uh, even if you cook a steak in the broiler, you could set that thing on fire. you got to use a wet towel, not water, a wet towel. Throw it over. Go over your food and water plants. What are your supply lines? I've mentioned this before, but it's big. Talk to financial planners, tax persons, confidants, anyone you need that's involved with your money or coaching, helping you make decisions that are big. Do you have basic things on hand like medicines and first aid kits? Remember, we're talking about mitigating risk in the home right now. Things that you can get ordered and have delivered to you if you need them. How about connecting with your neighbors and others who might be able to help you if needed? If you haven't spoken to your neighbors in a long time, uh, and you see them outside, it might be nice to, you know, from afar, say hello, reconnect, have a smile, share something in common. Ensure your vehicle has plenty of gas. Make sure you clean yourself and do it well at the gas station. A lot of people are touching things. Uh, you don't want to catch anything there. But make sure your check engine line ain't blinking. Now. You need to have reliable transportation. Also, if you, speaking of gas, if you have a grill, I recommend getting an extra propane tank. It's good backup. These are all good things for any time, not just because we're dealing with the virus. This stuff is eternal, and, that, and that's why we're talking about it. Find someone who agrees with this mindset and work together, reflect, push back, talk to them on the phone, chat, video. Start to think about how you can mitigate risk in your life. It helps to give peace of mind. Oh, and store some cash and know some self-defense and how to protect your cash and your stuff. 
look for a second source of income that might give you some risk mitigation when it comes to bills that are coming in. There might be online things that you can do, affiliate marketing, a whole bunch of other things. For those who are you know, hoping that I was going to talk more about preparation from the professional perspective, I guess here are for, uh, you know, a few questions that I would get you to think about that might be helpful, your answers to these questions. What needs to be changed to better support the plan you know, if or when this situation happens again? How are your communication practices going throughout the organization and does something need to be fixed, either a product or a process or a service, internally or externally? Who's spearheading best practices and lesson learned lists? Because this is going to be important when you're done and you might as well start to collect them now while you're going through it. Who needs to be recognized for being essential so they choose not to leave for other opportunities? Do we have a risk manager or managers? Do we have a culture where everyone sees themselves as a risk manager? Because we can't leave it up to one person. Do we even have a risk management plan? Do people know it? Has it been updated? Has it been practiced? If you don't have a risk management plan or haven't talked about risk in your relationships or in your organization, you're like Icarus, you know, taking a chance that something won't go wrong, even though you know Murphy and are sitting through this surreal experience that you never thought would ever happen. So I suggest you take the time because it's worth it. Build it within your home. It's worth it. In your, on your teams, in your organization, do what you can to mitigate the risk. Tiger Woods said, as a child, the family that I had and the love I had for my two parents allowed me to go ahead and be more aggressive, to search and to take risks, knowing that if I failed, I could always come home to a family of love and support. I like that. Like always, take good care, better care than normal, be safe, peaceful, try to find something new. Be open to finding, making, creating happy moments. It's not Pollyanna. It's not cheesy. It, you know, it's happy, the pursuit of happiness. Remember, we cannot let all these changes become stressors that grind on us daily. That's not a recipe for good health, for sure. There are real things that we can do to mitigate stress. I've talked about them on you know, past episodes. I'll mention them again today. Or just reach out and ask me for the list. I'll share it. Don't shy away from this stuff because stress up front is way better now than major distress down the road. So those are my opening thoughts. I'd love to hear your feelings on today's monologue. Please send them to me by mail. No hand deliveries to Gerber, G-E-R-B-E-R at S-Y-N-E-R-G-Y-D-T dot com. They go direct to me. Love to see them. Also send me your questions and I'll work them into the episodes. The next part of the show I call positive but not Pollyanna. The things we can appreciate that will make us happy. But now you know I'm not a real big fan of Pollyanna. I want real. For today, here's what I want to mention. I'm positive because I know there's a lot of things that I can do and that I can choose to do in my free time uh, right now. So are you bored? Are you looking for a challenge? Are you looking for something new? Are you looking for something old you forgot about that you used to do? Hopefully I can inspire you to grab onto something that can make you feel happy and positive and that you can repeat. Here are some ideas to consider. Set a budget of 20 bucks and see who in the house can get the coolest item delivered. Create a surprise snack time after dinner where someone in the house brings the goods. Or you could write a book, a chapter, maybe the first page or the last. Just write. Or not. Order one thing online that will help your physical, mental, or emotional health. Have you ever done an indoor treasure hunt? Hide things around the house. 
that your spouse or your kids or both find them. Learn how to play chess, Stratego, or another board game that helps your brain. Build a fort, a model, do a puzzle, or crosswords, or board games, or build a mosaic. You could always start a poetry book, learn to cook, bake. I never learned to bake because I just knew I'd be 8,000 pounds. You could learn to grill, get better at it, or make a new recipe. Have you ever tried indoor camping? I mean, I don't recommend sleeping overnight if you're older than like 17 because your back will be crushed the next day. But something to do during the day. Paper airplanes or that paper triangle football game, which you're going old school. Go outside for a walk, run, jog, hike. Stay more than six feet away from people. Actually, I do 12 because people are huffing and puffing out on the trails. No reason to take a risk. You build a house of cards or a domino chain or watch how-to videos on YouTube. You could write and mail supportive letters to medical professionals and military personnel. It's always video games, playing plastic, bowling, shooting baskets, lawn darts, I guess, if you can find them. Those things were deadly. Create a book of favorite quotes. Make up the quotes. Build your resume. You could play horseshoes, darts, beanbag toss. Get on the treadmill, elliptical in front of the TV, or watch a movie. Start a podcast, or listen to one, or listen to music, or try new music. Start a webinar series, or watch one, or watch an action movie or drama. Don't lose your whole life on Netflix. <laughs> Create a vision board. Laugh. Watch a comedy. Play Pictionary, charades. Paint rocks to hide where strangers can find them in the neighborhood. Are you getting the picture? There's a ton of stuff, and I'm just going to give you a few more. Call your old friends, new friends, people from high school, college, or grad school. Teach your kids something. One of your friends kids something online. Reach out to people in your past that helped you become successful and thank them. I did this before with a college professor. It was awesome. Great conversation. Clean the attic, basement, garage, bookshelves, playroom, deck, or closets. Learn something brand spanking new. Maybe harmonica. Look to enroll in a certificate program, online college, grad, or other degree. Investigate a second job. What would you do? Where? How? What, what are the details? Maybe you garden or plant or build something. Interpret your dreams. Make new ones. Set goals. Watch TV or relax and reflect. Meditate. Stretch. You could do yoga. Lift weights. Love. The list goes on and on. You know, what do you want to do with your time? Needs to be positive and moving you forward, helping you recharge your battery, helping you set a positive example, something good for you, yourself, and others that are watching you. And there are a lot of positive things going on with the people that I know and hear about. We just have to keep it up, keep sharing, keep creating, keep growing, and all that takes a positive growth mindset. I know Zig Ziglar once said, until you're happy with who you are, you will never be happy because of what you have. Okay, on the other side of this upcoming short break, I'll be offering everyone the skill of the day. We will get to the daily top 10 and the listener question. Really good stuff and more. With that, who wants to donate, be a sponsor, and get your word out? Let me know. This will be your time as we pause for a moment to breathe. Make sure you sign up for, subscribe for this podcast. Because that's all I'm saying for this moment. While we listen to some music, then I'm back to own it. Check it out. Jam out. Let it out. One minute out. I'm going to spit some science and skills out. I got the chops. What you got, what you need.
We are back with Beyond Corona, and I'm Dave Gerber, still your host. Time for the real world, real life, professional and personal skills that matter to how we feel, how we interact with others, and understand the world. That's what this next part of the show is all about, and I'm looking at ways we can grow and the new techniques or skills that we need to do to make it happen, right? Yes, the stuff we don't always want to think about, but we need to hear the tough stuff, the stuff that can make us and make us better. I'm here to motivate you today, tomorrow, whenever you need it. So today's skill that we're going to talk about is creating synergy. You know that word which implies teamwork at a higher level? What is good for and how do we create it? How do we go beyond this once fashionable, now in the remake stages of its career, the word synergy? Stephen Covey says, Synergy is about what happens when 1 plus 1 equals 10 or 100 or even 1,000. It's the profound result when two or more respectful human beings determine to go beyond their perceived ideas to meet a great challenge. So what is it really? Synergy is the linking of factors which multiply the effects of others rather than simply adding to them. I mean, in essence, it's like 1 plus 1 equals 3. Synergy is the connection of individuals' energy, you know, creating a connection on a higher level. There is a synergy when a group of people working together can bring each person's strength to form the group's collective talents and handle conflict as it arises. I guess another way to think of this is the feeling, you know, imagine when groups are sort of in the zone. They get into this sort of very high-functioning feeling. Each person is responsible, accountable, delivering at a high level, supportive, and dedicated to the overall objectives. People move through conflict and come to solutions more efficiently and effectively while meeting everyone's needs. And you can apply that to being in the home or in a marriage. So why is creating synergy important? Well, when we consider joint benefits, we know the best results are usually a product of relationships. The connected energy and efforts of multiple individuals in concert with one another. Some people consider synergy a buzzword. But when we slow down and truly consider the value of synergy, it begs the question, what am I doing to create synergy in my life, on my teams, in my home, at my job? Synergy represents the ideal, the exponential results of multiple forces coming together. Why would we not want to be, you know, and not want to create synergy in our personal, professional lives? Especially when we have time to reflect on it, think about how to create it right now and go ahead and do it. So there are a number of behaviors that we can engage in to create synergy. And also, while only responsible for our own behavior, one person modeling successful behavior can influence others. You know it to be true. It's called modeling. So creating synergy starts with, you know, with us and creates and, and requires us knowing more about ourselves and committing to lifelong learning and respecting and building trust with other people. It comes by providing and receiving effective feedback and communication, having an authentic presence, confidence, yet also having tons of gratitude and humility. It's about following words with actions. I like to say, mean what you say, say what you mean and don't say it mean. It's about us offering high levels of support, not just high levels of accountability. It's about relationship building skills, the desire and the effort required to bring people together. You know, one of the most difficult aspects of this concept is consistency. 
Businesses and organizations around the world are spending resources on building high-performance teams, managing conflict, providing training opportunities, and benefiting from the investment of leadership coaching and team coaching. Why? It's simple, because synergy is difficult to create and, most importantly, sustain. Yet it's priceless. High-performing teams, families, and other groups have increased their understanding of how others work and grasp many of the concepts explored in earlier chapters of my book's uh, earlier aspects of this podcast. Um, I hope you check them out. I don't usually push my books, but I definitely think they can help you and you'll see some overlap to this podcast. You know, a team is a group of people that uses the collective talents of individuals, a common purpose and collective approach towards a specific set of results while holding each other accountable. If we think about and uh, when we understand how we fit into the team how we provide value maybe in our marriage or in our home, whether we're living with people that we're not related to but are friends. How do we fulfill our roles? How do we master our own issues of fear and anger and control? And when we do that on an individual level, don't we increase the chance that the group success rate is going to be even higher? So to help contribute to this energy, People might ask themselves a few questions and modify their personal behavior, you know, whether it's personal or work life. But think about what is my purpose for being on this team or in this relationship? What value do I bring to the group, this household, or my job? Can I succinctly share past experiences that demonstrate competency? Have, I mean, have people seen me do it? How do I help the team focus on purpose and collaboration? How can I contribute to motivating myself and others? How can I be clear on team goals? And do we need a timeout to discuss them? That's really important. That's one thing a lot of times people don't realize is you can take a timeout whenever you need one. I mean, as long as it's not like in the first 30 seconds of when you start a difficult conversation, you're fine. But timeouts are really important. We get laser focused. We get hyper focused. Uh, we feel like we've got to get it done. We've got to move forward. Sometimes we just need to take a break. And it's usually good to take a break before we need to take a break. What about how we can support new group members and demonstrate leadership qualities? I mean, even if we're not the leader. How about the same with our kids? How do we support them? How can I fully be present and honest? These are all things that are important to ask ourselves to get better at so that we can help create synergy. We can do our part. How do you reduce the amount of judgment that you feel towards others in the house and out of the house? That's a tough one. It's really tough, especially when we see people doing quote-unquote stupid stuff. You know, how do you maintain your individuality and also avoid groupthink or getting sucked in? Because that's one of the counters to this concept of synergy. But synergy takes those kinds of things into consideration. How do I support others when it comes to taking risks? I mean, creating a goal of group synergy is a positive step. And I think as the world moves more towards a multicultural experience, and I mean, even considering our circumstances about being locked up right now, synergy is going to be more difficult to create, yet it's going to be more rewarding when it's achieved. And that's why I think it's important to take the time to talk about it. So on that note, let's switch gears and take time for the daily listener question. I have questions from all over right now. It's awesome. Send yours in. Let's get them answered. Today's question is another good one. 
what is the importance of perspective right now when it comes to how this is impacting people? Good one. What's the importance of perspective right now when it comes to how this is all impacting people? I always like to talk about perspective because it means we're slowing down and we're looking at things from multiple angles and opinions. And when when it comes to my answer for today, I mean, I had a huge answer, but I think I'm actually just going to focus in on the basics, you know, sort of a quick overview of what I think people are experiencing at, at a glance uh, because I want to be comprehensive because I think it's a lot of it's about age and, and their perspectives. And I so I think you'll see what I mean. So understanding age perspectives, the corona concerns, and lost experiences for people of all ages is very real. It, it really is a sign of empathy when we can think about other people's perspectives when we ourselves are in discomfort. I think that's an act of true care. Just a basic timeline. I know this is missing lots of details, but still good to help us pause and to think about what people at different ages are going through. There are some positives on the other side of this. I think it's important and, and maybe just a quick pause will get you thinking about people of different ages. Babies don't know squat. They have it the best. I think they have the best of all of us. Elementary school kids are probably mostly loving life, having free time to learn and play, although I think parents are seemingly going out of their brain. All kids are not getting birthday parties, playdates, and missing friends from school, and it starts. The 13-year-old doesn't get a welcome to young adulthood birthday party bar bat mitzvah the 15 year old doesn't know if they'll be able to practice driving and get their license The 16 year old doesn't get a sweet 16 or get to drive some kids are wondering if they'll stay alive or give this virus to their grandparents or parents who might be more sensitive 17 year old might be thinking about not getting a prom or a homecoming and the 18 year old doesn't get a real graduation maybe can't get a job or get into college right away or a trade school or who knows? The 21-year-old doesn't get to celebrate with friends and family, and dating has changed for everyone. The 22-year-old graduated from college doesn't get any pop in circumstance. The 23-year-old isn't sure what to do for work or money. And now that's kind of hitting everybody from age 20 through 65. 20-somethings, anyone with a pre-existing condition from here on in has concerns, and they're thinking now, should I have kids? What kind of wedding? Can I have a wedding? I don't know. I guess people from 20s into their 80s are thinking about remarriage. Do they do it? Do they bring groups of people together? The 30-somethings are worried about and concerned about work, making an income, and educating their kids. Now a lot of them at home, learning what it's like to be a teacher. The 40-somethings, they're thinking, I sure hope my parents are okay and I don't get sick and this is crazy and, and it all happened while I'm having a midlife crisis. The 50-somethings, you know, this they're saying this is messing up really the last good decade of my life, the last good few years of my life. The 60-somethings are worried about their family and their kids. The 70-somethings are thinking this isn't the way they wanted to spend their retirement. This is scary stuff and potentially life-threatening. And they're watching those older get sick and die from this as well. The 80-somethings are also worried. There's this feeling of helplessness. Loneliness is now forced, too. The 90s and above, no one wants a painful death. And the thought of this is scary. Some probably don't care, I guess, since they lived through everything and they're in their 90s. If you made it this long, I guess you already won the game of life. So... 
this is just a quick sort of look at and a pause at what's going on for people. Beth Brooks said, it's not the winning that teaches you how to be resilient. It's the setback. It's the loss. You know, in some ways, we're all losing a little bit right now. And we're getting a glimpse on what people are missing out on right now, regardless of their age. There's something to be said for the camaraderie that comes from shared experiences, losses, and successes. Maybe the generations can be kinder to one another when we start again. In the meantime, think about the positive you can bring to the people in your life, regardless of their age. Be creative. Think outside the box. You know, a smile, a thank you, a nod of appreciation, a photo or video, it really goes a long way. If you're looking for some good books to read, easy ones that can change your life, and I'm not pushing my books yet, check out the following on the Corona book list. One, The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. Two, The Secret by Rhonda Byrne. Three, The Seven Laws, The Seven Spiritual Laws of Success by Deepak Chopra. I'm biased with that one because, by the way, I have a chapter in a book that he's in, which is very cool. It's a book called Roadmap to Success. We each have a chapter. Ken Blanchard has one and some others. It's neat. The famous Will Rogers once said, there are three kinds of men. The ones that learn by reading, the few who learn by observation, and the rest of them who have to pee on the electric fence for themselves. So whether you're an avid reader or don't really like to read, I'm sure these will entertain you and provide value for your personal, spiritual, and professional growth now and into the future, right? Because that's what we do here. So the Daily Top 10... 10 ways to increase mental health now. All right, no, really, here we go. Number one, get exercise. Number two, nutrition. Number three, sleep. You got to get seven hours to recharge your battery. Also meditate. That will help to make up for sleep you don't get. Four, experience nature. It's a huge part of you know grounding and staying connected to the natural world. Five, snap back. When you find yourself getting negative, change your emotional state. Think of the stoplight technique. Green is go. Yellow, whoa. I better go back to green because I don't want to go red. Number six, stay connected on digital devices and with neighbors from at least 12 foot distance. Just yell over, hey, how you doing? Get help before you really need it. You know, don't wait to have an anxiety attack and then seek help. Manage your expectations with people, uh, the situation, the present, and your long-term thinking. We might be in for way more of this. Separate what's in your control from what is not, and uh, do focus on your breathing. It's directly connected to your heart rate. It will slow it all down. Uh, N10, get what you need to provide food, water, and the needs for you and your family. That is definitely a good way to provide mental health and reduce your stress. Start playing chess, not checkers, folks. The things required to be the best version of ourselves are the most basic and the most close to natural law. They are required for us to level up, period. We have real obstacles and we have excuses, me, you, everybody. I mean, it's easy to rationalize and let ourselves off the hook, but it stinks that we have to beat ourselves up when we aren't actualizing our goals fast enough. We can do this. These are the basics to higher level growth. We have to make it happen. Here's a brief plug of the show, real brief, but... In service of being a force for good, I hope repeat listeners stay with us because I have some good stuff to share with you on the other side of this mouthful. Be sure to sign up for the podcast and be a part of something great and that continues. My goal remains to be, you know, it's the same. It's to share as much as I can in service of people who care, who actually care, those who want to grow and who want to do it faster. I'm looking to do my part and I want to be a part of the solution 
whenever possible. So if you're looking to hear more from me or you want to chat, hit me up on Instagram under Beyond Corona, also Conflict Healer. Uh, hit, hit, hit me up the gang of 20,000 plus on LinkedIn under Dave Gerber and definitely sign up for the free news, the free newsletter that we're doing now beyond Corona. And if you send me your email, I'll set you up with the email blasts, the positive motivational on timely email blasts. I send out to about 17,000 like-minded people every week, upcoming courses, the synergy That's the synergy university.com. You can also check out my websites, Dave Gerber.info synergy and Gerber at SynergyDT.com. My books are all on Amazon. Anyway, back to the good stuff to close it out with a final thought. Well, I'm not a fan of some of his solutions. I do think that he pegged it on this quote. Andrew Yang, a former presidential Democrat, Democrat who ran until a few months ago, I think, he said, it might be a lot easier to take risks if you're part of a group who will look out for one another. Exactly. With shared risk comes shared accountability. If we're in it together when things are good, we need to be in it when we're in a struggle or in trouble and need someone to throw us a bone, a life preserver, or anything. We're all risk managers. We just need to get in the mindset. Put it on your radar. Better prevent it up front and have to deal with it than after the fact, right? You can make it happen. Ron Howard said it well. If you're not out there taking some risks, if you're just coasting along with your wins, then you're not really trying. Remember, our mental toughness is what we all need and sometimes have to dig deep, deep, deep to find it. In this case, we might have to make it out of good, clean, thin, and hopefully fresh air. You got this, and I know it. You know it. I'm your ally before, during, and after this BS. I mean virus. I'm Dave Gerber, your host of this international podcast we call Beyond Corona, moving forward together. Because we're all in it to win it with one another. I love you. Be safe, peaceful, and happy. Until next time, wishing every human on the planet a great day today and a better day tomorrow. We are out of here.